Hi everyone, welcome to Season 2 of the Asian Hustle Network Podcast, where we interview Asian entrepreneurs and professionals around the world. And for this season, we're going to take our conversations deeper about our Asian identity and hustle stories. We also want to announce that we are hosting our first ever Asian Hustle Network Uplifted Conference next spring in Las Vegas. For more info and to reserve your seats, check out our website at asianhustlenetwork.com. Don't forget to grab a copy of our recently released book, Uplifted, Journeys of Abundance, Community, and Identity, which tells the personal stories of how 21 Asian American entrepreneurs are shifting culture. You can order it on our website as well. Hey guys, welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. My name is Brian. And my name is Maggie. And we interview Asian entrepreneurs around the world to amplify their voices and empower Asians to pursue their dreams and goals. We believe that each person has a message and a unique story from their entrepreneurial journey that they can share with all of us. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. Today, we have a very special guest with us. Her name is Katie Sue. Katie is an award-winning global media and tech marketer with a proven track record for breaking trends, forging new technology partnerships, and launching large-scale disruptive business models and brands. In her current role as CMO at KiwiCo, Sue oversees global marketing across consumer, brand, media, growth, and acquisition, and campaign strategy. A strong sense of purpose and a passion for inspiring the next generation of leaders led her to join the innovative e-commerce company, which provides hands-on learning experiences for kids that spark curiosity and teach creative confidence. The former Senior Vice President of Growth Marketing for HBO Max, Sue led a 170-plus person team to build a core growth engine that enabled end-to-end consumer marketing, powering subscriber growth through breakthrough media campaigns, social stunts, and a reimagined editorial experience. This revolutionary approach helped grow the streaming service from 33 million domestic subscribers to 47 million at the end of second quarter, bringing in more than 14 million subscribers since the streaming platform's launch. Sue is a West Coast native and sits on the advisory board for both Pinterest and California State University Entertainment Alliance. She is also on the Asia Society's Board of Trustees and is the co-chair of Asia Society Southern California and serves as a member of Fox Media's Brand Council. Katie, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Katie, you are a legend in industry, and we're so happy to have you here in the podcast today. Before we talk about your legendary career, we want to learn more about you. Like, what was your upbringing like, and where'd you grow up? So, I grew up in the Bay Area, and you know, very traditional upbringing. Immigrant parents, high exposure to my culture, heritage, values, loved the food, and so. I felt very insulated in a lot of ways because I always grew up around diversity. I always grew up in a community oriented setting. And so very young, I didn't really see myself as different. Not until I probably started going to school and realizing that I was different than other kids. And it was very clear that that was the case. But I had wonderful grandparents who raised me and wonderful parents who did as much as they could to help me feel a part of a community. And so because of that, I think it just gave me a lot stronger of a foundation going into it. Well, that that definitely gave me a lot of warmth, knowing that your grandparents were there for you and really made you proud of who you are. And we're so excited to have in the podcast because I feel like I feel like you're so badass, right? Just by your intro oh, alone you. and everything that you do. And on top of that, it's like having you in the podcast is like 
brought up very reminiscent of Maggie's childhood as well because you guys both grew up in SF. I mean, both grew up in the Bay Area. You guys both went to the same schools uh, and you're like highly involved with the Asian community and, and more importantly, the women empowerment community, right? And I want to hear more about that, right? Like what spurred that sense of like determination, pride that you have and how did you formulate that into action? Because a lot of people are still figuring out how to be more involved, how to take more leadership, how to speak up, right? And not only for speaking as, as a person of color, but speaking as a woman of color, right? That's so important for us to, to realize and emphasize them more. Yeah, that's a great question, Brian. I think one of the reasons why I was inspired to develop a community of like-minded women was because when I was growing up, I didn't have one. And I remember distinctly looking around leadership and looking at industries I was interested in or careers I wanted to pursue. And there just wasn't anyone who looked like me. And I couldn't figure out why in the beginning. And I think when I was early on in my career, I just thought, well, eventually this will fix itself. You know, eventually this will get better, but you're so young and you're green and you don't know what some of the complications are. You don't understand systemic racism. You don't understand that some of the systems weren't built for you. And it wasn't until I got a little bit further in my career, I realized that no one is coming to save us. No one is going to make that change. And so if not you, then who? And I was very fortunate at the time I came across, you know, wonderful women in my community, a lot who felt very similar. Janet Yang is the chair of Asian Women Empowered, and she's incredible. She's been a cornerstone of gathering exceptional women together for potluck and for mahjong nights and just to give a sense of community. And after joining that, we just realized that it was such an important piece of what was missing and how could we take that? How could we take that feeling, that lightning in a bottle that you get sitting around a table and sharing the challenges that you face, supporting each other, and more importantly, just knowing that you're not alone and share it more broadly, create something that could become a destination, a home, a long-standing network of women supporting women, offering mentorship, offering programming, and change the way that women see themselves in the world around them. Because, you know, to me, this program, this initiative or not, I would love to get to a place where we don't need these anymore, that we've completely normalized the fact that these boardrooms, executive leadership rooms, creative positions, you know, leadership positions just have people of color and a lot of women in them. And statistically, it's been proven that having a woman in leadership rooms actually increases your revenue. So it just makes sense, right? But when you're fighting sometimes, and you're fighting alone, you don't feel like you're able to make an impact. But if you join hands with a handful of people who share the same mission and values as you, then suddenly you can begin a movement. And so that's actually what inspired us to go and embark on this journey. I love that. And you put that so eloquently and it's, it just goes to show how much we need diversity. Right. And I think there's a lot of corporations out there that want to recruit more women just because they feel like they need to, just because they feel like, you know, it it should be the right thing to do because we do need more diversity. Right. But the real thing to do, the real right thing to do is to recruit people who can do the job the best. Right. And that goes for both men and women. We are, we have such different views and perspectives that we can all bring something to the table. You know, men can bring something 
something great to the table as well as women. You know, women can also bring great things to the table. And I love the way you put that. I do want to know, you know, when you had just started out your career, I knew you were I know you were doing some writing and producing. And I think some women would find this answer very helpful. I want to know how you were able to kind of maneuver yourself into leadership roles. I think a lot of us, you know, we deal with a lot of imposter syndrome and it's very hard for us, especially women, you know, inside corporate meeting rooms with a bunch of male, right, who might not be minority. And it seems really daunting for us to even speak out, right? And for us, it might be very hard for us to see ourselves kind of jump from a more junior level to a more leadership position. So I want to know what was going through your mind internally and if you had any like internal battles while you were trying to kind of go up the ranks and go through, you know, leadership positions. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is a great question. I I don't think anyone, at least <laughs> in my circle, doesn't face some degree of imposter syndrome. I think a lot of it's cultural as well. You know, I think growing up Asian American specifically, you're just taught that, you know, the A plus is not good enough. Right. So like do more, do more, do more, put your head down, do really great work. Don't take credit for your work and just like continue going forward. And I think very early on, I did do that. You know, I just felt like this was super important. I wanted to do something that was self-fulfilling. And as long as I did a really great job, people would know that I did a really great job. And that is not the case at all, as you know. And so it came to a head when I remember distinctly this moment in time, meeting a group of women and realizing that we had been contributing to so much of the work and progress of the industry, of hiring the most diverse teams, of driving change and impact. And yet we weren't really being recognized for it. And the recognition isn't as important as the fact that recognition sometimes allows for more conversation. And the more conversation is had around a specific topic, the more awareness there is. And perhaps then it drives change. And so It was right around the time of Crazy Rich Asians. You know, it was about to become this movie sensation. Lots of organizations were rallying behind it. And I remember going to watch a screening and thinking to myself, oh my God, this is the first time that I saw a normalized rom-com that just had people who looked like me. And that was such an incredible feeling. And leaving that theater, I was so emotional and I couldn't even understand why I was emotional for that matter. And I remember having this conversation with many of my girlfriends in this Mahjong club. (laughs) And, you know, the consensus was, you know, Katie, you are in a position where you should take up space. You should speak up. You should actually continue to drive positive change and just show up because the more you do that, the more you open the door for other people to follow suit. And, you know, my advice to a lot of people is sometimes that can feel very heavy. You know, you feel like you're carrying the weight yourself and you may ask the question as to why I'm just one person. What change could I make? And to Brian's earlier point, you can make so much change as one person because sometimes you don't even see the changes that you make. I remember when I started to embark on this path of building internal organizations that foster diversity, hiring people who had lived in experiences instead of just having multicultural in their title. And I remember working with agencies and requiring and asking them that one of the mandates is that you have to have a diverse team to work with us because you can't market content or market to those communities if you don't know what the stories are, what's important to them and the values. And I think I was able to do that because 
I was different and I wasn't just looking at it from one side. I was seeing it through the eyes of somebody who did grow up with immigrant families and did face a lot of adversity as a kid who was bullied. And I just remember having this moment in time when confronted with these challenges There's a saying that I learned on a panel from a wonderful woman who is super inspirational. And she just said, each of us represent the seven generations who came before us and the seven generations who come after. So every decision and choice that you make does affect change. So instead of thinking about what is good for me, think about what it is that you are leaving behind. What is your legacy? What is that change that you want to drive And then just do it and have the courage and resilience to not be afraid of the consequences, because so often we are the ones in our own way, you know, self-doubt or imposter syndrome or whatever it may be. My encouragement is all it takes sometimes is one person. And if you can be the person to open that door, then the rest of the people can actually continue keeping that door open. And what an amazing thing that is when you start rallying people around that. Well, I, I absolutely love that. And I mean, I can't speak out of line because at the end of the day, I'm still a guy. <laughs> but um, it kind of reminds me of like the early days of Asian Hustle Network, right? Because at the very beginning, like we had 70% male and 30% female and we did not like that. Right. That's when I turned to Maggie and we're like, hey, like we need to create more programs and staff our team more with more women more powerful women in leadership positions. And that's exactly what we did, right? And thanks to that, it's like, we were able to discover you. Like you were so badass that you, your names came out several times during our meeting. It was like, hey, we got to reach out to Katie. And we did, you know, I, <laughs> I was kind of scared to, to ping you at first. I'm like, oh, well, she, does, she, doesn't, she doesn't talk to me or whatnot. But I'm just like, okay, I got to get over this because Katie's so badass, you know? But you're absolutely right. Like we, we have to continue opening up the door for people and we have to be aware of everything, right? Because like a lot of the programs that we have in Asian Hustle Network is about like, we had like women empowerment event because we realized the significance of having that voice inside the room because we know from firsthand in our team by having more women leadership in the team, it's like things are run a lot more smoothly. No offense to my male, my male team members, but like a lot of things are run more smoothly. And I, I can appreciate their thought process, essentially being the leader that we all need, right? The first question is like, how can like, as a female person in the workplace, how can we navigate our edge, right? Because I think Maggie has told me a couple of experiences in her meetings that she felt invisible. Like no matter how much she spoke up, she felt like no one was listening to her. They over-talked her and it's difficult, right? And the fact that you guys have a lot in common, you guys went to the same school and everything. How can someone who never had such an edge or a footing inside the workplace step up more and be more without, I don't know, I don't know how to say this correctly, but there's, there's honestly a negative connotation against female female workers that speak up a lot louder. It's like, oh, like you're now you're being too loud and you're kind of being too annoying. That's not true at all. Like how can a person navigate those politics at work and really make themselves be heard? Yeah. So I can also speak on, on that topic as well. Just like kind of um, echoing what Brian said about like my experience in the workplace. So I used to, I worked, I worked in tech in the Bay area. Right. And so when I was in tech, I was working in the marketing department and, you know, ironically, I was the, one of the only female minorities there, the female, the only female Asian there. And like, it was majority, you know, white male. I think a lot of, you know, tech companies are predominantly white male as well, but I felt like I never really had a voice. And every time I felt like I was trying 
to get my voice heard, my manager would always tell me, you know, you need to find your voice. You need to find your voice. But it's like, I, I'm trying, you know, but every time I would say something in a meeting room and if someone else had said the same thing, I I personally felt like they would listen to that person rather than my comment. Right. And it it almost felt like I wasn't in an environment where I can thrive. Right. And just doing Asian Hustle Network and, you know, reiterating the mission for Asian Hustle Network, being a part of all these events for Asian Hustle Network, you know, speaking in front of hundreds of people and telling our community what we're trying to do with AHN. I actually felt like I really did have a voice. Right. And you know, it, I don't want to make it a race thing, you know, but I, I definitely feel like finding an environment where you can thrive is super, super important. And yeah, just going back to Brian's question, like, what would you say to, you know, anyone who is trying to get their foot in the door and trying to like find their voice, but they're trying, they're having trouble doing so. Right. And like, I want to know, like, based on your experiences, what would your advice be? It's a really great question. And I would start by saying there is no right or wrong answer to this. Every single person approaches it very differently. I love what Brian was saying earlier, which is this idea of allyship. You know, the when he looked around the room and he realized we don't have enough women, you went and you made that change. You were the one who made the call, promoted the change and then executed against it. And now you have a thriving network where there is diversity and it's no longer a topic because it exists, right? That is what you look for. So I think on one hand, you definitely want to look for rooms where allyship is possible because I have been in many situations where allyship has been critical and you need that support network. And it doesn't always have to rest on yourself. I mean, that allyship network may be very small and it may be very, you know, limited, but the most important thing is sometimes knowing that you're not going at it alone. On a personal level, I would always encourage people to just be fearless, have the courage to speak. Because a lot of times, you know, like the example, Maggie, you described is that when someone already says something there is a moment of self-doubt where you're like, well, that, that person's voice matters more than me. Well, I'm telling you, no, it doesn't. But sometimes we are in our own head a lot and we believe that what we tell ourselves is true when you know you're contributing value. You may be the expert in what you were talking about and you are the best person to represent that. But you as yourself have to believe that that is your value and your contribution. I don't really have a lot of fear when it comes to sharing my opinion and thoughts. I mean, obviously with respect to my peers and the room and like what we're trying to decision against, you know, so much of the best work comes from gaining alignment and helping people understand why a decision or a choice or an initiative is mission critical. And I think if you are in those rooms and you have an opportunity to drive change, whatever it may be, it's important to push for it because what's the worst thing that can happen? Somebody says no, or they don't agree with you. Then you have a choice. You can either present a series of facts and debate it and get to something that is better than where you started. Or you realize that maybe that room isn't the right room for you. And that would lead me to the next comment, which is I've been in many situations in my career where you, again, when you get further along, you realize this isn't a room that values me. This isn't a room that sees me. This isn't a room that understands my contributions. So do I still want to be in this room? Or do I want to go and invest in myself, make a bet on me and find a room that actually sees me? And so that is also another path. I think a lot of times many people feel stuck because they're just trying to make something work. And, you know, I mean, listen, there are really great people and really great leaders. And there are some that are just not. <laughs> 
And like, we have to be okay with admitting that ourselves because your own personal happiness, mental health, and ability to grow and thrive in an environment is so much more important. And I think that that just comes with time. Like you realize, okay, this is the moment it's time to pull the ripcord. Like this is it. I've done my best. I've pushed as far as I could, and I will now find the room so that I can continue to thrive and grow in my career. And that's perfectly fine. Give yourself the permission and the grace to do that. You don't owe it to anyone but yourself. And the more you're able to do that, the more courage and momentum you gain. And eventually you'll set an example that many others will follow. I I love that. And I don't know why when you were explaining that, I was just thinking about like relationships. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> You, you can't find some, a partner to value you just move on i'm just kidding <laughs> but yeah hey, hey listen so much of it is like a relationship right like yeah. you don't want to you want to be in love and you want to be happy you want to thrive you want to be able to know that in this short time period we have on earth because mm-hmm. life is short what do you want your contributions to be what do you want your legacy to be you know i say this a lot with some of my friends i look back in life I don't want people to go, oh my God, Katie, what a great marketer. (laughs) Like, oh man, I have totally failed, right? I want people to remember the choices I made, the purpose I stand for, and the things that mattered from a values perspective and why I fought for those things. And that maybe that legacy just continues on and a younger, stronger, smarter group of young women then take it and and change it into something significantly better, something that I couldn't even dream of. Like that to me is leaning into your power. Wow. That's, that's so powerful. And I guess before I say, I ask the next question, but Maggie, do you want to, you have anything to say? Yeah. I just wanted to say, you know, that is super important about leaving your own legacy, you know, about like, Oh, you know, that person was such a great marketer. I think it's really important for us to think about like, yes, working hard is important too, but then we also have to think about what type of legacy we want to leave for the next generation, right? Like, what do you want people to remember you as? And you mentioning, you know, you finding your own community when you were, you know, trying to get into the community, were you finding that that person or that community to open up the gates, right? And if that person, if one person could open up the gates and have others, you know, meet other people who could actually be an influence to them, that influence can go a long way, you know, and it kind of reminds me of the event that I went to where Katie spoke at for Asia Society. And we, I actually had invited a friend. She was a, she's a female and I wanted her to meet people at this event. And I just, you know, didn't think that, you know, we would be meeting a lot of people because I didn't know what the program would be, but she ended up, you know, thanking me and saying like, I met so many great people and I'm going to, you know, create these relationships with these people. And it just really touched my heart, you know, because you, I underestimate like how much power is in community. And I start to realize that through Asian Hustle Network, through Asia society, like someone's influence can go such a long way and it could just go trickle down generation after generation. Actually, we should talk about that for a bit because what you noted, that was what we wanted, you know, Years and years ago, a handful of us, so Janet Yang, Yi Wen, who was also at the event, we flew to Hong Kong and we had presented this idea to the board of trustees. And I subsequently ended up joining the board of trustees. But then, you know, it was just a a pipe dream. We knew it was important. And so the three of us really pitched this concept of creating community 
on a local level, but also at global scale, because we knew that there were many women not being spotlighted for the contributions they made across all industries, not just entertainment. You know, UN's background is in like fintech and crypto. And like, we knew we had to join all these different interest areas and think about how to create a platform for women to discover each other. And so that launch event you're talking about, you could feel the energy in the air. It was so heartwarming. It was so emotional. It was actually totally like exactly what we had hoped it to be. We just didn't know it would actually be that way because you never know sometimes. But I'm so happy to hear that and that your friend enjoyed it because that is not just the power of community. That's the power of women supporting women and wanting to reach out and wanting to have you know space to do that for each other. And that makes me so happy to hear because the, I mean, if for nothing at all, just a small group of people being impacted in that way, that would have made this whole thing worthwhile. Thank you, Katie. I mean, take all the credit for it. I mean, all of it happened because of your ambition and your dreams. So we want you to take a lot, as much credit as you can on this podcast because we feel like you absolutely deserve it, you know? And going back to your point earlier too, it's like now's the time to speak up and take out space. And this is one way to do it. And we'll support you any way that we can. So I want to shift the conversation down to your career at Warner Brothers and HBO Max, mainly because we hear a lot about the entertainment space and how there's a lot of misogyny and all, all these other bad reps being in the entertainment space, right? And for you to sort of navigate that and become a very strong leader, like we want to hear any sort of story that you're comfortable sharing with us about your experience. Yeah, there are so many. <laughs> I can start by saying that I was incredibly fortunate because when I was brought on board to join WB, it was at a time that a lot of positive change and an eye towards technology was happening. And I definitely had one of the most diverse leadership rooms. And so it was so incredible to me to see that. And believe me, I don't think I would have joined it if I didn't feel or see that reflected. And I'll never forget, and I hope she listens to this podcast, but there was a woman, her name is Diana Mogollon. She is the GM of Stage 13. Their focus is a lot of diverse storytelling and multicultural storytelling. And so they actually do a lot of incredible short form content that that is looking for undiscovered talent. And like, there's so many things that they've done. And I remember when I was going through the process of meeting everyone and deciding whether or not this was the right opportunity, she had called me and, you know, she's just like super fierce and like a total badass. And I think her, her takeaway was just like, Katie, don't you want to join this? Don't you want to join this and not regret this? You can, you can be a force of change. You can be a change agent here. Like you can do the things that you want to do. It won't be easy. Or do you want to sit on the sidelines and wait to see what happens? And I was just like, oh my God, this woman is incredible. And I was so inspired by her. I thought, well, yeah, of course, of course I'm going to take this job. And then fast forward, like years later, she's become a really good friend of mine and it was so much of what we talked about earlier, right? It's women empowering women and giving each other the confidence to say, I will take this leap of faith. This seems totally bizarre and like outside of what I typically would choose, but I'm going to choose it because by doing so, I'm choosing myself. And I know I can drive the positive change that I want to see in the world around me. And if she could do it, then I could too. And so from that point, I embarked on this journey and yeah, I mean, there were so many challenges along the way. I definitely came at it from a very logical perspective. You know, I specialize in transformations. I do 
you know, push a lot of change in businesses, brands, and the organization at large. And I think what people just came to realize was that I was one of the few people who could just work cross-functionally because I didn't really, you know, I didn't grow up in entertainment. I didn't have a dog in the fight in the same way, right? I just really wanted to do great work and I wanted to win because I knew if we could win as a business, we could continue making the stories that mattered. We could, we could continue filling the rooms with people who represented the world around us. And above all else, like that was the most important thing. And subsequently, when I got a chance to join HBO Max, I was able to bring all that to fruition. I had one of the most diverse teams in the company. And actually, one thing I'm incredibly proud of is the fact that I know without a shadow of a doubt in my mind that the people who were on my leadership team and who joined that team they will go on to be the change agents in the industry. They will go on and continue carrying the mission in their own way that makes sense for them. And that to me is the most important thing. And so, yeah, some rooms were difficult. Some rooms could be challenging, but you just can't give up because it's so much bigger than just what is happening in the room. Your job is to make change so that the system flexes and changes so that perhaps other people following you into the rooms afterwards don't have to endure what you did. And if I focus it on that, it was a lot easier for me to just push through every time things got hard. That's super powerful. Thank you so much for sharing that, Katie. I I do want to know, you know, this question is tied back to your original answer just now. I think a lot of us, you know, we talk a lot about diversity and equity and inclusion in large corporations, right? And there are DEI groups within large corporations that talk about the ERG groups, you know, employee resource groups that, you know, try to promote events or programs or campaigns that try to promote diversity. And we do a lot of trainings as well. I think a lot of corporations try to do trainings to, you know, you know, bring more awareness to, you know, promote more diversity in our teams, in our, you know, uh, companies. But then I feel like there are a lot of DI groups that that talk about it, but it's harder to get those points through to leadership, mm-hmm. right? Like we do talk about it in ERG groups and DEI, but how do we make sure that we peel off the layers and make sure that change is not only within these ERG groups, but also it gets relayed back to the leadership positions? Because I feel like there is that that gap and there's like, there's so many layers that we have to go through. And sometimes it is people in leadership that's preventing change from happening, right? And I know you mentioned that there was so much diversity in your teams that you were leading. So I do want to know, like, how are you able to push for that change when there are so many layers to get across in such large organizations and corporations that you were working at? That's a great question. What I did was I just did it. I didn't ask for permission. I didn't wait for someone to tell me to join a group. My team and I, a handful of also really strong leaders came together and I became the sponsor and the champion of a program I launched through my own team called Bold, which was building organizational leadership through diversity. And perhaps there would have been tie-ins with ERG groups and larger you know, teams across the company. And th- that was always the intention. But we knew with growth marketing and with every consumer touch point that we were responsible for, every dollar we were spending in market, every trade we were curating in editorial, we already had a responsibility on a customer consumer facing level to do something that was right, to always hold ourselves accountable and lead by example. And so that is the reason why we created that organization. And to this day, that organization still goes and is thriving and has plugged into the larger, you know, 
diversity groups, pushing leadership to think more holistically and strategically about implementing positive change. And I'm incredibly proud of that. And so what I would say to anybody thinking about that is don't wait for permission. Don't wait for someone to tell you, here's an existing program and a playbook. Make your own because whatever is out there, it just might not work. And like, if you already know what it is that you want and you know the change that you want to see, go build it. That's what we did. That's what I did. That's what I still do. Like, there's no point in trying to like wait for, you know, like a set of rules to be given to you. I think the whole point is you should know the rules and the engagement and then you just go and break the rules. Wow. That is, I love it. That's our model here at Asian Hustle Network. We, uh, we just do it, (laughs) you know, and it, once you, wait, wait, this is like a whole different topic too, because once you start breaking down the fabric of who makes these rules, everyone has like, like certain biases that helps them make their decisions, but unfortunately it doesn't benefit us as a society. Right. And most of these game changers are people who usually just go for it and just do it and sort of just break all the rules because when once people realize that that's not the right way to do it and this is new better way is a better way the adoption rate is going to be really high right mm-hmm. and that goes for a lot of things in history it's about awareness it's about it's about taking action it's about understanding that hey wait a minute something's wrong here like, i need to do more right and a lot of times like people don't want to break the rule. They're just conditioned to like just follow the rules. But like the people who actually do break it are the ones that are pioneers in the new space and take ownership and leadership and all the stuff that creates positive change. So shout out to you, Katie. When you <laughs> said that, it was like, that's, that's how we run at Asian Hustle Network. We just go for it. it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm kind of curious, like you're obviously a very successful leader and you do a lot for the community. How do you take care of yourself and how do you take care of your mental health? Because I'm sure that, you know, there are times where people, I'm pretty sure people keep on coming to you, Katie, I need your help, Katie, I need advice, Katie, I need this and that. But at the end of the day, it's like, you're still a human being, right? So how do you take care of your mental health and have yourself, I know, I know you mentioned earlier, like you just sort of push through the hard times, mm-hmm. but like what kind of mechanism or routines or self-care that you do to, to wake up every morning and be like, I'm Katie, I can do this, right? And we all need a boost of that for ourselves. Yeah, that's such a great question. And so timely on so many levels. I think a lot of it, you know, for myself, I love meditation. I practice it a lot. You quiet a lot of thoughts and noises and you always just have to remember that you can only give as much as you can, but your goal is never to deplete yourself because you're in a marathon, not a sprint right? Like you want to actually continue contributing and giving for a very long time across many efforts and initiatives that matter to you. And if you just burn out fast, it's not beneficial to anyone, you know? And listen, there were moments in my career and on personal life where that was hard. I remember when the rise in, you know, Black Lives Matter, as well as this Stop Asian Hate was happening. It was a lot. It was very traumatizing, not just to our communities, but for a lot of people like us, you know, and even like Asian Hustle Network, a lot of times you feel like you're on the front lines. You feel like you have to lean in and support each other and bring on the power of unification because only then can you drive positive positive change. But the thing that people forget is we are also human. We are experiencing the trauma and, you know, thousands of years of legacy weighted on our shoulders and heritage and culture. And, you know, that is a lot to unpack. And I remember during that period of time, you know, I was sitting in a lot of leadership rooms, both in work and also personal because of all the organizations and foundations I'm a part of. And 
you know, sometimes we just gave each other grace and we would just listen to each other's stories and just was present for each other. Because a lot of times you cannot find a solution if you don't first take care of yourself. And there is no one size fits all solution, right? Like this is going to be all of us on this podcast, our life's work. And I actually think knowing that and giving yourself this space and the time every day, every week to just focus on your own personal needs is critical. I would probably say that that was something I learned a little bit later in life. I wish I learned it a little bit earlier. But, you know, I think a lot about my grandparents. I love my grandparents. You know, they confronted war at a very difficult time. You know, they walked to find freedom. And because of the choices they made, I got to grow up in a society where I had the choice of choice. So shame on me if I don't take care of myself and that I don't give back and that I I don't take the work that they had done so that I could be here today sitting with the both of you talking about this, that if I didn't take care of that and I didn't put myself at least in the mix of how is Katie doing today? Like, is she going to be okay? Is she going to be able to address all of these topics or should she just pull back and, you know, give herself some space? I think that's perfectly fine. And by the way, in the world of like social media, you're always giving. You are constantly on. And so my advice is don't have fear of turning off. Turning off is extremely healthy. You just have to do it at the times that you need it and don't wait too long. Give yourself some sort of usual cadence that you always say, you know, once a week, this is my time. Pick that one hobby, that one thing that brings you joy that nothing else can and just do it. Because who's going to say no? (laughs) Absolutely. I love that. I mean, I agree with everything you said. I think like all for a lot of Asian leaders, you know, during the pandemic and during the rise of anti-Asian hate crimes, I think a lot of us felt like we were being at the forefront and it can get really exhausting and it can get daunting. And, you know, I think we often forget that we're just all human. We're all very, very similar. And, you know, therapists have their own therapists and coaches have their own coaches. And we all have to remember that we we all need someone, right? And you have to fill your own cup before you're able to fill other people's cups. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Katie, talk to us about KiwiCo. We'll love to kind of switch gears and hear, you know, what you're working on at KiwiCo and really what your vision is for the company. We know that you're CMO there and just really excited to learn more about what you're doing at KiwiCo. That's such a great question. I'm so happy you asked it because, you know, everything that we've talked about led me to taking this opportunity at KiwiCo, you know, being at the center of shaping people's, you know, perception of storytelling and how they experience content, films and TV shows was so incredibly rewarding. And I look back on those points of my career with nothing but pride and joy But now I get to wake up every day and work in learning and development, helping kids find creative confidence so that they can be the tinkers and innovators of the future. That's incredible. I mean, you want to talk about like a mission-driven, purpose-driven career. This was what I was seeking, right? It's kids and family entertainment. It's investing in those things. And I'll use this example because I was just talking to a friend about this. I remember launching DC Universe in San Diego Comic-Con and having such an incredible time, you know, building these universe within universe worlds and then having a bunch of like fans come through and experience it for the first time and just the bewilderment of them, you know, going through Swamp Thing or walking through a living comic book. It was just so cool to see that all come to life. 
juxtaposed now with watching kids learn and play and create and build these steam learning kits and crates and like looking at, oh, if I'm going to build like a mechanical hand or if I'm going to like figure out the science of ice cream or how I develop these motor functions. And the minute it clicks, the spark and joy that you see in a child's eyes, there's really nothing like it. Like there's nothing. And I think that probably is what brought me here because I knew that I could make a greater impact by doing something that could positively affect the next generation to help rethink the way we look at education, to rethink the way we learn, especially in a world that is so inundated with all the things that we just talked about, right? How do you prepare a child to face the things that the three of us have faced? And how do you prepare a child to think strategically and to dream bigger and to just pursue the things that perhaps when we were younger, we were afraid to because we didn't have that confidence. Like the way I think about it is this in terms of the vision, you could think about it as if a seven-year-old wants to be a founder and they want to change the world, they should absolutely do that. There is no reason that they shouldn't pursue it and that there is no reason that we should stop that from happening because that creative confidence could enable that child to become an inventor and innovator of the future and build something that could change the world. And that is a very noble mission that I would probably spend a lot of my life doing versus anything else I've ever worked on because that could actually have a material impact on the way we, as we get older, experience the world around us. And that's just super exciting. That sounds amazing. It's, I don't know, this entire podcast, I feel like we're so aligned with certain things, especially this, because I, my team knows this. It's kind of funny too, that I obsessively talk about the future all the time. I, I'm like, I keep on saying like, we need to have half our team younger because we need to prepare for the future and really understand the generational differences and bridge the generations. And here you are talking about developing the bright minds of tomorrow because honestly, in Asian culture, you get told no a lot, mm-hmm. right? And your and your options are very limited in what you can or cannot do. And nowadays it's like, I feel like you're the one and we're the ones like working together to break through that barrier. And it's so refreshing to hear this, right? Because we don't talk about the future generation enough and the bright minds of tomorrow, right? We always think about ourselves, tomorrow we don't think about we, we think about ourselves in like the past a lot but you don't think much about tomorrow and that's that's really refreshing for me to hear yeah i mean that's that's the most important thing actually brian i think you'd be a huge fan of our eureka line and you should check it out because like it's just building it's just like tinkering mm-hmm. and like tactile hands-on experiences and they're very I mean, they're rooted in math and learning and engineering and science. That's so cool. You know, like when I was younger, I was told, you know, the best thing that could happen was to go to college, get a degree, get a good job and stay in that job for a long time. And now I'm like, no, don't do that. Like go dream big, go (laughs) change the world. Right. Yeah. I completely understand. So Katie, we have one last question for you. And that is, if you could give an advice to the next generation of leaders or a young woman entrepreneur, what would that one advice be? That is always such a tough question, Maggie, because every entrepreneur and every single person and what they're facing is so different. If I could give one singular piece of advice, I would say, be fearless pursue the thing that you love and that brings you joy and fulfillment. Because if you don't, 
you will not be happy and you will spend your life trying to fill that void with everything else. And so don't have fear of wanting to do what it is that you love. Have the courage to go and pursue it so that other people may look up to you and realize that that is actually okay for them to do too. Love it. I just got chills hearing that. Thank you so much, Katie. And for our listeners, where can they find out more about you online? Oh my gosh. I mean, your typical, maybe LinkedIn, Instagram, find me, email me. Sometimes I can be slow to respond, but I'm always happy to connect people and support, you know, our community as well as anybody else who's just looking for like guidance. And if I can't do it, I will always find a way to connect you with somebody who can help. Amazing. Thank you so much, Katie. It was amazing having you on our podcast today. Thank you for sharing your story with us. Thank you for having me. I think the work you both are doing are incredible and like good for you, Brian, for changing that room. I'm so proud and I'm so happy to be a part of your podcast and your journey. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you so much, Katie. Like you're a complete badass. We're so happy to have you on the show today. Thank you. Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to the show. We would like to get to the top 10 on iTunes, so be sure to leave us a five-star review. We release an episode every single Wednesday, so stay tuned. Thank you guys so much.